0: You're listening to The Pastor Pod, sharing what we're learning to help you lead well in our culture today. This podcast is hosted by Pastors Josh Robinson and Jay Mudd. Their goal is to be real, transparent, and let you in on what pastors really think about stuff.
1: Well, Welcome back to The Pastor Pod. We're so glad you're with us for another episode. And uh, if you're with us, uh, let us know that you're listening. You can email us at thepastorpod at Gmail. Or you can give us a little shout out on social media. And and we've had a great, great season just getting this podcast started. And uh, today I'm here with Jay Mudd. Of course, if you've been listening, you know Jay, and he's up in the Northeast. And I just can't tell you how excited I am to have my older brother, Dr. Jeff Robinson, here with us today on The Pastor Pod. So Jeff, welcome from West Palm.
2: Thank you. Good to
0: be here. So how far is Jeff from you, Josh? Cause you live, I remember, I don't know where you live. Yeah. You live Jay still the, doesn't know where I live. One of the okay. islands, you live on one of the islands out there
1: uh, I, I, in Florida. I live off the island. Off I live in island. Venice. Yeah. There's a okay. Venice beach Island, of course. Yeah. So we're, I mean, if you look at the, if you look at Florida, we're almost, we're almost directly just on the other side of the state, just about. So hmm? does it take you about two and two hours, 20 minutes, something like that, Jeff, is that about right for you?
2: Uh, I try to I try to lead my family well and not not speed excessively. <laughs> so usually for us, it takes around three or so.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Or you take better roads, that too. Mm. Um, mm. But so do you? D speed, do you speed jobs? Jeff's... Well, I
2: hear I hear that up in the Northeast, they are like giving you naughty or nice signs based that's upon right. your that's, speed. That's I don't know if that's was... true or not. Rumor I heard
0: that's what I was sharing right before we hit the record button mm. was absolutely in my family. Mm. Yes, we did. I will confess to you. We did the trip three We went by it three times in order to get the naughty, the naughty sign. Just I for Instagram,
1: just for it was the on your Instagram story, wasn't it?
0: It was on my Instagram story. And I had a lot of feedback and people said that, that in, in consensus, they said that I did not need <laughs> that sign to say that I was a naughty driver. So apparently people don't like the way I drive. <laughs> people like
2: parenting have to tips <laughs> parenting uh, tips yeah uh,
0: no i've good. i i have not been in an accident with one of my kids I that's a total, good thing i yeah, did total five job. cars before i was 20 five wow. cars before i was 20 and really? i have flipped a. what about tank. the tank
1: though what about the tank i
0: did i flipped a tank jeff did you know that in the army i flipped a tank no. Yes. Completely really? flipped a tank over. So, yeah, I've, I've been around the block
1: a little bit. I've had my fair share of accidents. Well, I can't wait not to ride with you. That's... <laughs> Come on that's down. I'll show call. you around.
0: I'll drive you around Boston. Hey, guys, Come I'll on. drive. Go no, on.
1: I'm good. I'll just walk.
2: No, that's but good.
0: I, I do think it's kind of cool. We all met at the college we attended in Graceville, where the living is easy because that's there's right, absolutely right. nothing there. And so we had to get creative. And uh, one of the things I know about uh jeff that i thoroughly enjoyed was uh jeff you created a fight club at a bible college um i mean you got to go down in history for that right i mean are, are, are we not oh was the rule not? Yeah, there's probably not sure some of that it, it may
2: be a wee bit um <laughs> urban legend or oh. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: probably oh, fight club I,
0: I forgot the rule Yeah, the first rule of the fight club i
2: forgot words matter you know <laughs> definitions <laughs> Yeah, so Jeff,
1: so before I went to BCF, Jeff was there, of course. Jay, you, what year did you start at B, the Baptist College of Florida? If you don't know the abbreviation. I don't know abbreviation. so
0: long ago. I graduated I in 2016. Okay. No, I didn't. No. No, I didn't. I'm sorry. I graduated in 2006. Wow. Okay, that's so just I 10 got, years that's off. Year. That's okay. <laughs> that's also the year I got married. I should know this, but yes. 2006 is when I graduated. Um, so, so there's
1: actually video footage of this, uh, you know, I wouldn't call it fight club, but just, a a gathering of men. <laughs> I'm
0: punching sorry, each I other. Jo- Jeff, okay. I hope I don't ruin your reputation. Um, I'm sorry about that.
2: We, we just, you know, felt led that in a controlled environment with mutual assent to be able to provide another, you know, sport for some of our young men there classmates brothers in christ see you guys lights get turned off real quick and turned right back on it was it was awesome though like it was it was truly amazing it was good a little bit more intense than um like intramural basketball unless unless you played certain professors that were ballers back in the day that were still ballers that had a market on how to block out and also the use of the muay thai elbow yes. i love you doctor i will not name your name but uh yeah i still good have times.
1: tmj from him just like absolutely pop, pop, right there on my on my right
2: here a man yeah. among men yep
1: wow yeah. i never i never played this
0: uh basketball with this such professor so
2: it was awesome good times he's my hero still to this day
0: there you go, and you don't want to give him a shout out. You don't want to call his name. All right. Come on, at the Pastor Pod, right. we 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 let people know what we what we're thinking about
1: things. Yeah, the Pastor I've probably all about already said really too things. much. <laughs> <laughs> I've
2: probably already said too much, but if you were at BCF back in yeah, the day, you man, know you, you probably remember. You carry in your body the scars. So
1: yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, if you don't know, Jeff's a lead pastor at Grace Fellowship Church over in West Palm. And Jeff, how many years have you been there?
2: almost six. Yeah. Nice. That's
1: awesome. That's awesome. So we're glad you're with us. If you don't know Jeff, definitely check, uh, you could follow him on social and, and check out, uh, Grace Fellowship, but they've been doing a lot of great work there. And, uh, it's the, t- the tag of your, the tag title or subtitle or whatever church is a church for the nations. And, uh, just an amazing picture. Church of for all nations. Yep. Church for all nations. Yeah, I butchered that. Yep. So get it uh, right. Get it right or get it out. Yeah. So it's it's a fun day to have you on the podcast, Jeff. And um, he's been writing some books and doing a lot of great research. So we wanted to to just pick your brain and talk about um, how we can really lean into how do we help people overcome doubt and, and how do we mm-hmm. help guide people through that process of not only knowing the word, knowing the truth, but how do we deal with doubt? So uh, Jay has definitely set up some cool questions today on how we can, how we can dis- discuss that, but i um, looking forward to it.
0: All right. So we're going to return here in just a moment and we will talk about Jeff's book uh, coming out on doubt and uh, some other fun things. So uh, hang tight. Hey, everybody, this is Jay from The Pastor Pod, and we have had an amazing first season. It's been a lot of fun. Josh and I have both learned a ton about the podcast world, and we've had some great guests come through, including our guest today, Josh's older brother, Jeff, and uh, we're looking forward to our next season of The Pastor Pod, which will start the first Friday in January of 2022. You heard it right. For the next few weeks, we're going to be taking a break and hanging out with our families and spending some time with our loved ones. We encourage you to do the same and join us back here that first Friday in January as we kick off a new uh, series of podcasts dealing with new year, new habits, different things that pastors um, are really probably thinking about and we're just going to talk about. So join us back next year right here on The Pastor Pod. All right. Welcome back to the pastor pod. And uh, again, we are here with Jeff, uh, Robinson, and he is going to share with us a little bit about a book that he's in the process of writing. And Jeff, speaking of books, it's, ha- it's hard for me not to notice if you're watching with us on YouTube, your book selection is far greater than your younger brother, Josh's. Um, and so you've, either, you've, you've read a lot more books, uh, most likely, and you have definitely written more books unless I've, uh, not done my research. And so uh, Josh is just, he's just owning this one, right, Josh? Exactly
1: right. Jeff, Jeff, I, I i don't know how many books he has, but he has, he, he reads voraciously. That's a good, is that a good word? Voracious Is that even a, is that even a word? He's, Did I mess it, that that's word a up? Word. Okay. See, no, I don't that's even exactly know words, weird. but yeah, Jeff, Jeff is, is an excellent student and Tell has honor. been in school for a very, very long time.
0: I can tell I'm out of my league here. And so we're going to jump right into our uh, topic for the day. And uh, Jeff, you are writing a book currently. Um, I don't believe it's not published yet. Right. Correct. Is that is that accurate? Right. So you've, yeah. you've let me into a little bit of the book. You've you've seen you've sent me a little bit. And I was pretty fascinated in your book. You uh, you really start off with something that captivated me. You you had this aspect of defining doubt. Because, mm. you know, understanding what doubt is and what, is, what doubt is not, and if it's mm-hmm. possible for Christians to have doubt. So would you, would you tell us a little bit about where the book come from came from sure. and uh, thoughts of that?
2: Yeah, I think the book, the original idea definitely comes from uh, the work of Dr. Gary Habermas. He's taught for years, great philosopher, theologian. He's, he's also a hockey coach. Uh, years and years for Liberty University they even won some titles when he was their their hockey coach loves MMA loves football so he's like this combination he's become a great friend of like a guy who likes contact sports but also this world-class philosopher and I had a uh, seminar with him several years ago on religious doubt and a lot of these ideas I want to give full attribution I don't want to plagiarize but to say just from my interaction with him interaction with him. Uh, percolates uh, a lot of this. So that's really where um, I think the interest in doubt uh, comes from for me personally.
0: So tell us a little bit about what, how would you define doubt then uh, based off of what I've read in you book. I've read a little bit, I didn't yeah. read the whole thing, uh, but uh, impossible for me to read the whole thing. But tell me a little bit about how you're defining doubt. What is doubt? What is doubt not? Uh, sure. You know,
2: Yeah. Well, I think the term in itself, like we always know, no matter what we're talking about, let's define our terms before we talk about it, whether it's marriage or a leadership conversation at church or giving campaign or, or whatever it is, politics, what do we mean by this term? So with doubt, Uh, generally speaking, there's three areas that doubt can come from. I want to address that, and then we'll try to to define it. Um, Emotional doubt would be a place of someone going through a lot of struggle in their life, a lot of stress, maybe death or job loss or something traumatic to where we're not feeling, right, the presence of God or feeling that Christianity is true, and then we start articulating that saying, well, I don't, think, or I don't, I no longer believe, but it's not so much an issue of data or reason or logic. It's just that we're in a state emotionally that sort of uh, keeps us from, from embracing the truth. And then there's factual doubt, which is just saying, man, I I just don't believe that uh, the biblical Record is true, or I don't believe that Christ actually rose from the dead. You know, David Hume, dead men don't rise. So, therefore, if he's dead, he doesn't rise. If he's a man, and then there's volitional doubt, which is really the toughest, I think, area. And people who've done a lot more work on this would say that's where somebody really doesn't care anymore. Like volitional from the will to say, hey, man, that's great. Bible is the word of God. Jesus is the son of God. Don't care just kind of shrug my shoulders and walk away. So as far as the definition, that's sort of like the, I guess, the watershed of understanding maybe the different areas or sources that doubt can come from. But Elmer Towns made this quote like decades ago, and it's so good. He said, doubt is stumbling over a stone that we do not understand, but unbelief is kicking at a stone that we understand all too well. So just in that statement, I think for a lot of Christians, even Christian leaders, when we hear the word doubt, a lot of times we automatically associate that with a hardened state of unbelief. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus talks about unbelief time and time again, how serious of a thing that is. Um, mm-hmm. But doubt is more in that context, more of a hesitation, more of, I don't really know. Maybe I've not had someone explain to me the reasons why I'm feeling this way. If it's emotional doubt or even the case for why I can believe as a thinking person that Jesus actually rose from the dead.
0: Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. So um, there's a lot there. And so I'll try my best to drop some of those, some of those quotes and things like that in the show notes. Um, So, I I believe some of the hardest moments uh, for us to trust and where doubt kind of, you know, rises to the surface most often um, tends to be when God is, uh, I'm going to say, silent. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm saying Mm -hmm. that just because I believe that's the emotion that we would often associate with those, those times in life, where God is silent, he's not acting, maybe not acting the way we want him to act or whatever it may be. But in those moments is where we often see some form or level of doubt taking place. Mm -hmm. Why do you think it's that's the easiest place and typically where doubt shows up? Or do you even believe that's where doubt shows up the most?
2: Yeah, I think we we see at least from that sense, even in Scripture, um, John the Baptist in in Matthew eleven when he was in prison, right? He had been mm-hmm. thrown in prison, he was trying to do the work of the Lord. But when he heard about what Jesus was doing, he even told his disciples to go ask Jesus and ask Jesus disciples, "Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another?" Mm-hmm. And a lot of the theologians, guys who studied, you know this issue of doubt, say that that's an example of possibly in the life of of John the Baptist, who Jesus said was the greatest man born among women. Think about where he was. He's in prison, not knowing what's going to happen in the future. He's like, let me just make sure right? Mm-hmm. Because I'm throwing, like, I don't want to suffer for no reason. I want to make sure that Jesus is legit. And Jesus told them, go tell John what you hear and see, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the blind receive their, their sight, the, the, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, dead are raised up, like all of that. So what Jesus did in that moment to where John the Baptist, let's say it this way, he hesitated, mm-hmm. is Jesus responded with truth. Well, go tell him what you've seen. Right, eyewitness testimony, and then in the life of uh, of Elijah, if we're familiar with that story. Incredible beast, Super Bowl moment, Mount Carmel. God shows up. He's opposed by like you know these four hundred plus prophets of Baal and Asherah, and God shows up, shows that He's the one true God, and He's talking smack to those guys, saying, "Well, maybe your your false god Baal is you know He's He's on vacation or He's mm-hmm. you know." He's in a porta potty somewhere, like literally, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing level. It's just him. But then right after that, he crashes, right? Mm -hmm. That he hears that Jezebel is going to come take him out. He runs away. He's absolutely completely exhausted. And it's at that point that he begins to say those things that don't even make sense. Like God, you know, take my life. It's no good for me to even live. I'm no better than my father's. Which is not true. He was way more beastly than his fathers. So, your question, Jay, from a point of the silence of God, a point of doubt, hesitation, um, you know, the hiddenness of God, as your philosophers would say, I think often is from a place of exhaustion for followers of Jesus Christ. We're just done, we're overwhelmed. And then sometimes, because we're so tired, we can't even focus, we begin to sense that God is not there when in fact he is. And there's yeah. other reasons but I think for Christian leaders people who are yeah. pressing on for the Lord that can be a common. So, so do you think that experience?
1: emotional doubt emotional doubt is kind of one of the most rising levels of doubt among I wouldn't even call people Christians but just religious people you know those mm-hmm. that are not necessarily deconstructing their faith. Now sometimes we have to deconstruct false truths about things we grew up learning that is actually not the gospel, but there's Mm -hmm. also a big, a big, you know, it's on social media. It's out there about people are deconstructing their faith, which sure. There's a lot, there's a, that's kind of a loaded question, but do you think a lot of it's emotionalism more than it is even volitional or like you Mm -hmm. said, uh, what was the other thing? Was it factual or not factual Factual uh, doubt? Factual doubt.
2: Yeah. Here's what Dr. Habermas says. And this is still to this day, he said, it's been that way for years. So he, not only does he do PhD work, professional work, you know, in the academic world, but he also does a lot of counseling. He said 70% of the cases, and he's counseled over 500. This is not a one-time conversation. This is like a long-going relationship with people who just really have like systemic, deep soul level doubts about the Christian faith. He said 70% of all of the doubters And this is a dude who's doing like lectures at Oxford and Cambridge and Harvard. Like he is not, he's not just showing, you know, at a small group, like top level in the world stuff. He said within that context, 70% of the doubts were emotional.
0: Hmm. Wow. 70%. So
2: if he's dealing with people like on that level and there's 70% there, right? then for the general population, I would say it would probably be be higher than that.
1: Be higher than that.
2: Hmm. Yep. Wow. And in terms of, of some people trying to deconstruct their faith, Josh, I mean, I, I think a lot of your, your ex evangelicals, right. People who mm-hmm. claim like I used to be an evangelical, but now I'm not, um, to be totally honest, a lot of this stuff is coming from, from artists like mm-hmm. former Christian artists. And I do think that it's just a personal take that Christian contemporary artists don't have as much pull as they did back in the eighties and nineties. So some of it could be uh, a ploy for attention. Um, but when they say deconstruct their faith, that's the thing most of your ex evangelicals are not using that term in the way that it actually came out, which is, and this is, I was told not to be nerdy on this podcast, but right from Jacques Derrida to say, we can't know, deconstruction is right. like, we can't know what an author means, like from any written source, which we could undercut that to say, well, how do I understand? I just read your book and you make this point. So apparently I can't understand you. It's, it's logic. It's a logical train wreck. But I think Josh, most of that is, uh, is emotional, uh, in nature because it doesn't have to do with the facts of the gospel. Right. Like I don't see in a lot of our deconstruction, I see, you know, like the rise and fall of Mars Hill, if we want mm-hmm. to go there. Yeah. People from that interviewed in that saw some things, experienced some things that were not glorifying to the Lord, but for some, the result is to walk away from the faith. At no point are they interacting with whether or not it is true or meaningful. They're Mm -hmm. dealing with past hurts and we can deal with that pastorally. I mean, you guys are pastors Mm -hmm. and walk people through that, but if you're going to walk away from it based upon feelings, then number one, it's not rational. And number two, did I did I actually understand it in the first place?
1: Well, that's a great way to describe it. I think we all can say whether you're a pastor or or even a leader in a church, or you lead a small group, or you're using your 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 career, your business to minister to people. Regardless of whatever your role is, we deal with people every day that are doubting. They're doubting. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not even these big existential existential questions of like salvation and is God sovereign or or not or is he this or that but yeah. just the the everyday emotional up uh, up and down the roller coaster of all this stuff dealing with this last year and a half and mm-hmm. all this all these mm-hmm. peripheral things that have become just at the center of all of our conversations how do we help people process their doubts in a godly way a healthy way i mean how do we help mm-hmm. people that are that are at that 70 plus percent that yeah um, maybe they lost someone uh, way too early. Maybe they had mm-hmm. a faith crisis with someone, or maybe they, you know, a lot of it, I think, is church hurt. People mm-hmm. are mistreated Absolutely. in a church setting where they have people that were supposed to be there for them, or they're supposed to lovingly confront them and show them grace, mm-hmm. but also teach them what they need to know. And because of that mm-hmm. painful situation, they've end up doubting if God's good, or they project, you know, that's who God is based on their family, their, their pastor, their church. Yeah. So how I know that's a lot, but how do we, Mm -hmm. how do we pastor and lead well? And what have you seen in your life of maybe helping people take those steps? Sure. In the right, in the right way.
2: I think for, for pastors and you guys, a lot of this stuff we know intuitively and also for, uh, for mom, I know mom's listening to this. Hi mom. I love you. Um, we know not to treat with the wrong medicine.
1: Mm.
2: We're all familiar, right, with the person, maybe going through something, and then all of a sudden somebody unloads, well, you know, here's what the Kalam cosmological argument says about the existence of God, right? Boom, 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 given the syllogism, given the argument, so therefore God exists, so what are you, you know, what, do you, what are you whining about? We know that's not, that's not what the Lord would have us to do, um, but I'm reminded of a quote by Richard Sibes, um where he says, it's an office of love to take away the stones and to smooth the way to heaven. And I think the ministry of helping people who doubt, just like what you guys do on a daily basis, and so many of our leaders who are listening to this, what God is doing is helping you, enabling you, strengthening you to remove those doubts, uh, remove those Mm -hmm. stones, remove those roadblocks uh, that are in front of people. Mm -hmm. And so I would say in terms of practically helping people, Uh, The title of the book is Doubt Triggers, Discovering and Overcoming Our Hesitations to God. I think helping people in a pastoral, relational way understand that, hey, if I'm at a place to where I'm not sure God exists anymore, is that an issue of data? Is that an issue of reason or logic, or uh, could it come from a host of other areas? And there are several that that I think are helpful. One would be flirting with sin. Uh, It's very easy for a believer to develop a habit uh, to where we are flirting with sin or engaging in sin. And the way that we're wired is that if we're living in sin, we're going to have like an aversion and a pushback. We're going to be allergic to the things of God. We're going to experience more doubts because we can't live a lie, right? Long-term. We've got to either change our behavior, right? Or change our change our beliefs or our theology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another one, like you're talking about, Josh, is, is the moral failure of an authority figure. And that doesn't even have to be church. That could be like mm-hmm. a coach that you admired growing up. And then you find out years later that the coach was something else than what you thought he or she was. Uh, I think getting God wrong is a major cause of doubt to where, and um, I know not in you guys' churches, but sometimes in church life, we can paint a picture of God to where we edit out all of what Jesus had to say about suffering. Jesus, the apostles, and the testimony of the early church, and even today, the persecuted church, hammers at home that if you're a follower of Christ, especially if you're in a majority non-Christian nation, you will suffer. Mm -hmm. And I've had, honestly, guys, I've had conversations with people like, man, my car broke down. I can't, like, I thought, I thought this was a car that, you know, God, God gave me, I can't. And they're having like a crisis of faith. I'm like, it's a Chevy. Like that's not, that's not (laughs) the, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It's not (laughs) a cause for you to have a crisis of faith, but it's because they thought that, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. we say, well, if I have this worship song or this Bible study, God's going to give me a sense. And then that's, that's going to be my perfect story. And then, you know, sure. absent abusive father figures, so the list goes on and on.
1: So it's whether they have a grounded, not only factual, you know, dad, all that stuff, but, but almost a deep love and the trust that the, that God is sovereign and faithful. And he, he is caring for us in the good and the bad and the ups and the downs the sufferings and that's the right. wins and the celebrations to have this resolve, knowing, Knowing the word yeah. of God, knowing the the providence of God, that even though when yeah. I doubt, kind of like John the Baptist, going back to him, I mean, what an incredible incredible leader to study, and just, I mean, the guy that was, imagine your name being in the Bible, I mean, that's that's and like how a he good looked, way, like in a good way, and, yeah. and Jesus gives you a, a <laughs> yeah, shout like, like Nebuchadnezzar's there, yeah, right, and knowing <laughs> that you know, and really the reason he was in prison is he he didn't hold it in about you know, the, the nasty king, you know, sleeping with. He would uh, have been banned from Jezebel. Twitter, like
2: totally. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So Violates he wasn't the afraid to standards. stand up. So I think this is a really helpful conversation because I do think that this, this at least this last couple of years, this whole deconstruct, this whole um, walking away, um, beyond yeah. the normal doubts of just my car broke down and it stinks, no one likes that. But comparing to mm-hmm. actual persecution of your life right. being on the line, uh, in India or, uh, underground church in China or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's just is a whole different world.
0: Yeah. So yep. I'm listening to all that. And I'm fascinated by all this. I'm, I'm intrigued. I think at one point, uh, Jeff, you were like, does that make sense? Cause we were both kind of just sucked into what you were saying, uh, because it's, it's very intriguing. Now you may actually get me to read a book here. Uh, Oh, your book. <laughs> I may actually want to read your book. I'm the only one on this video without books in the background. So, um, I only use Kindle. Is it coming out on Kindle? Yeah. Okay. As long as it's on Kindle, I've got it.
1: Right. Are you, are you oh, preaching a man. series, Jeff? On are you going to do a series on doubt? Is that what you told me? Yeah, man.
2: Explain? Yeah. So what we're going to try this next year, which is basically a couple of it's it's pretty pretty soon, um, is we're going to do a six week series based upon each chapter uh, of the book, and that's the challenge. If I can finish the book before then, or uh, you know, it may coincide. <laughs> we're actually bringing Habermas down to speak on emotional doubt because that's a part of his story as well uh, his wife his first wife died from cancer early 40s an incredible lady so a lot of his intellectually and emotionally um, the roadblocks that he's had to overcome that god's helped him through is just really really connecting across across generational lines it's really it's gonna be incredible
0: well I have no that doubt will definitely
2: be the best message in the series for sure
0: um, I have no doubt you're making progress because it's further along than when I received the copy that I received because you've said things that were not mm-hmm. in the book before, like the subtitle, for example. My mm-hmm. copy that I have in email says still needs subtitle, and so you have a subtitle yeah. of the book. So yeah. you're making progress. That's great.
1: That's right. That's a um, huge deal. So one of the
0: things we always try to do here uh, as we're wrapping things up, as we have these conversations, is get extremely practical, as practical yes. as we can get. Um, And so I'm thinking through this, and I know one of the questions we were going to dive into is, you know, practically speaking, how can someone who is dealing with doubt right now take steps to overcome them? I I actually think, based off of our conversation here today, this could actually go two routes, and 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 not that we're trying to separate or distinguish people from people. But, Jeff, I think there's something we could have a conversation about here that's really important is there maybe there is a leader or a pastor who's listening to to the pastor pod. And maybe they're experiencing some level of hesitation or doubt. Um, You even said your 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 professor friend um, uh, that's going to come down and speak. He he went through emotional. There there are people who are dealing and they don't know what to do with it because coming out Mm -hmm. and expressing it could really put a damper on their leadership. It could it could do a lot. So I think on one level there's there there is an aspect where if you're a pastor or a leader in a church and you're dealing with some form of doubt or hesitation. What practically, how could you practically encourage them to take steps to, to deal Mm -hmm. with that?
2: Um,
0: Would you, would you be able to give any kind of thoughts on what you would say to a pastor or a leader who's listening and say, hey, I'm wrestling through that?
2: Yeah, and Jay, man, that's a great question. And we're all familiar with the statistics as well that we're currently in the time of the great resignation. Mm-hmm. That's f- that far exceeds the ministry world, right? It's across right. every spectrum, people who can retire, even if they're not going to retire at that level or scooting out a little bit early because they just don't want to deal with what currently is the situation in the workforce. Um, and that's also with pastors. And so if those statistics are even anywhere close to the truth, that even if a pastor is not ready to walk away from the faith, uh, many are close to half based upon some stats, would like to do something else. And so in terms of practicality, um, if Habermas is right, and I think he is, and if we find it in scripture, at least two different examples to where there was a hesitation, there was a crash, Elijah and John the Baptist, both of whom were studs. Right. Mm-hmm. Then maybe if I'm experiencing that in my life, let's start there. Mm-hmm. And what's fascinating to me, Jay, is if you go back to 1 Kings 18 and 19, how did God minister to Elijah when Elijah was basically suicidal? He wasn't going to take his life. He asked God to do it because he's still I'm not going to do that. You do that. What God did, he didn't sit him down and have a lecture on how he could need to get his theology right. The angel came to minister, gave him some food, gave him some water, and he slept. Mm -hmm. And then he got up and he got a second meal and he slept again. Mm. I think in the scripture, if we ask, and there's going to be some of this in the book, but just walk through a couple of these questions, like on a level of one to 10, how well am I managing my physical health? Mm
1: -hmm.
2: How well am I managing my emotional energy? Because if we put ourselves in John the Baptist's shoes and in Elijah's shoes, those guys were absolutely sapped emotionally, physically, mentally. They had run hard, and they were they crashed. So, uh, a step would be to try to schedule or seek out some type of a Sabbath. And I am terrible at this. This is an area I'm trying to grow in to to you know unplug. Uh, but maybe a practical ongoing step outside of like you know, have a Sabbath. And I've even unsubscribed, Josh, you and I have talked about this from some email list where I feel like every day they're screaming at me, I need to get rest and I'm, and I'm stressed out. I'm like, I'm stressed out, read your email. So thank you for caring about me, but I'm like, to just, <laughs> you know, not read that anymore. <laughs> yeah, um,
1: y'all need to chill out. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> calm down, yeah. Uh, but to separate yourself from unwise emotional investments. One of those may be the shows that we watch. I love like war intense spy shows. But if I'm giving out all day long, coming home, giving out to my wife, my kids, is it wise for me to feel stressed out? And this could even relate to sports. Like, be totally honest. I've been so bit like the last year, the first football game I watched was two weeks ago. And I watched the Cowboys like just just lose the game when they could have won the game. And guess what? I was ticked off. And I'm sitting there, right? Like it's at night. I should have already been in bed. I'm like, this and I'm but then I thought, is it wise for me and my level of emotional maturity related to sports to invest (laughs) here if I'm already really stretched thin? And so, Mm -hmm. you know, do I need are there some emotional investments that I need to cut out? Craig Mm -hmm. Rochelle's great in the sense he says, I don't do caffeine past noon Mm -hmm. because he needs to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. And so then the other practical you know, thought suggestion would be uh, Philippians four, eight finally brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is pure, lovely, just whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think about these things, because if I'm not managing my, my health or my emotional energy level, well, then when I get a negative email, uh, when I get a call, when I get somebody pull me and said, Hey, pastor, I have some, I have some thoughts. Mm-hmm. And you're and you want to say, well, God did say that your thoughts are not my thoughts, but you can't say that right in that moment. That instead of that just being a shot, right? Like a like a kidney punch, it's like devastating because I'm already exhausted, right? It just yep. took the straw to break the camel's back. So if I'm well rested and as best, you know, and we're all getting older, um, managing my health, my emotions, then the normal hits, the normal grind of ministry may not be as devastating um as it otherwise would be.
1: That's good. It's very good. So good. I think one to add to that is is talk to somebody. You know, I've I've got you guys and and other (laughs) other friends that that I'll call or text and say, hey man, I need to talk Mm -hmm. to you about something. I need to I need your I need your prayers. And can I run this by you? I'm I'm having these doubts or these or I've got this situation in in my church or in or this or you know this I don't know what to do about this or this leadership question. I think so many times I've done this where I've tried to handle it all my own power. And so, you know, involve other leaders that can, can help Mm -hmm. you process. I'm a processor. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'm fast paced, but I also process slowly sometimes when it comes to these deeper things Mm -hmm. or or, or just, I'm more of emotional probably than, than, than most pastors probably. Um, So I process, so I can tend to react quickly or, or want to react quickly, but then I'll need to go take time. Spend time with the Lord. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a verbal processor, so I'll probably talk it out with mm-hmm. someone that I trust, and then I then I'll think about it, and then I'll be yeah. I'll be healthier. <laughs> so we're all wired yeah. differently, and so knowing how you're wired, and then also talk you know right. talk to somebody.
2: Yeah, and Josh, that's a great word too because you you would be more of a verbal processor. I think the challenge, and you're very relational by nature. For for some of our guys who are not who are a little bit more introspective. Once you're done with Bible college or seminary, or once you transition like into church work, it is more of a challenge to have those types of peer connections to where you can actually unload that too. And so if you don't have that, man, I just encourage you, even if, you know, you do associational stuff or denominational stuff, or if you're non-denominational, just even if there's not something in your area, I just encourage you to try to just start something, man. Find one, two other guys and just other leaders and just meet maybe once a month and just, just unload that stuff Mm -hmm. because we all know what it can do if, uh, if we just try to internalize it. Mm
0: -hmm. Right. And I, I think, uh, you know, the idea of, of, of separating yourself and the sabbatical concept, I think that is, that is huge. If you're, I think if you're listening and you are in a church leadership role where you have a voice when it comes to taking care of other leaders and giving them the chance to take a break, I want to encourage you to step into that space and, and give people uh, the opportunity to take a break and separate and to retreat and uh, really get uh, the rest they, they do need. I'm with you, uh, Jeff. And the fact that I don't do sabbatical very well. Um, my, my wife will tell you when I've got a down day, I'm, I'm all over the place. Um, That's when I used to typically put my hands in other people's cookie jars because I don't know what to do with myself. Um, Mm -hmm. So resting is something (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm not really, really good at as well. And so, um, and and this idea of, you know, when we're, and you said it earlier, the doubt, hesitation, it often shows up when we're exhausted. And so I I look at those two going hand in hand and thinking to myself, okay, if you're not getting the proper rest, this is where these hesitations, these doubts are going to come and begin to creep Uh in. And they're going to hit us before, we won't even see Mm -hmm. it coming. That's the Mm -hmm. thing is we're not going to see it coming before we know we're going to go, how do we get here? And so, uh, it's better, it's better to be proactive than reactive when it comes to this, Josh. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, this is, this has been great. Uh, Jeff, I can't thank you enough for being on the pastor pod, your book, uh, when, when could we expect the book to be, uh, done. What do you What are you thinking? Not to put pressure on you. I know you need to rest. <laughs> we just talked about this. uh
2: Hopefully, this next year. Because here's yeah. what I'm
0: thinking is somebody's gonna listen to this and they're gonna go. Mm-hmm. And it might be your mom. She might go, "Hey, I want the book."
2: uh You know, you know mom will want the book exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. um, mom. Well, the other thing is, is, is Jeff wrote a book is, on
2: uh persuasive
1: apologetics that's already out on Amazon and other places. But it I'm was sure. but it
2: was deemed too nerdy so by it who? was, it was by who? banned from yeah it was it was banned but that's that the, one you it, you know, we, that the one you were going to
0: send to me is that the one you're going to send to me
2: yes it's a great book oh, yeah you i just have I to just, read it slowly you're just like i'm the
0: type Jeff, i have to read it slowly
1: over and just, over again I don't i'm a don't slower my brother
0: to, i don't give my address out to anybody ask josh josh ask me for my address he, so I, I, I
1: wanted to send him a christmas card I wouldn't and he's like here's my po box and i'm like send me your address right now i'm going to send you he's like i don't want your christmas card and i'm like
0: it's undisclosed. I don't give my wow. address. I don't, I'm, I'm very mm. personal, personal. Anyhow, mm. listen, uh, this has been a great conversation with Jeff and Josh. Did you Josh. get my Christmas
1: card, by the way? Did you get it? Are you
0: talking to me? Yeah, did you get I it? I only check the PO box like once every two
2: weeks. <laughs> Jay, just so you know, there will, it's only a matter of time. Josh will find it.
1: You no, will he find
2: your address. No, you won't. Yeah. Now
1: we'll write you a thank
0: you note. Now every it's day. getting now it's getting weird. Now it's just getting weird. Hashtag we to, persistent. We need, we need to hog, we need to head off. It's getting weird all of a sudden. Uh, so Jeff, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for spending some yeah, time. Man. Just thank talking you guys about Doubt and, and this has been great. I want to I want to go on the record and say it hasn't been too uh, nerdy or over my head. It's been fantastic. I know people are going to benefit from even just opening up the conversation. They'll benefit even more when they get your book, when it comes out. And so we'll be sure to let people know uh, when that's taking place. So that being said, uh, from Josh and myself and our guest, Jeff, we thank you for spending some time with us on The Pastor Pod. Reach out to us, thepastorpod at gmail.com. And we hope to see you back real soon.